Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.08 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. And I'm here to help you be more successful, telling other people what to do in their garden, things that perhaps I would be too cold to want to do myself. If you have a question about what you should be doing or might ought to be doing, or if you just want to worry about something, give me a call, 404-872-0750. Quick questions answered very quickly and long questions answered very quickly as well. Crystal Wheeler is here screening calls and Ashley Frask is stead this Saturday morning and Scott Maxson is doing an absolute genius job choosing our music today as well. Judy is out in Tucker, Georgia and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey Judy, good morning. Yes, good morning. Um, I have a natural area under a maple tree with a few hosta and ferns under there. Should I rake all the leaves away before putting down some pine straw? Um, well, how many hosta? Is this a big area or a little area? The, the, the whole area is about 20 by 25, but I, no. I just started the hosta last spring, and there are yeah. about three good-sized clumps. Uh, no, actually, there are uh, about six good-sized clumps separated into two sections, yeah. and then a few ferns that are struggling. Yeah, clip off the... Um the, the leaves of the hosta first because right, okay. I, I don't like leaving leaves to decompose of the same plant that's there. You can leave oak leaves and things like that. That's not a problem, mm-hmm. but I don't want to spread diseases that might you know incubate in the wintertime right. uh, there. And what sort of ferns do you have? Do you know, Judy? I don't know. They're lacy type. Uh-huh. Do you know if like they're... Lace. And they're low. They're kind of low to the ground. So it could be a maidenhair fern or something like that. It, do they normally lose their fronds? They turn brown in the wintertime? Well, this is the first winter I've had them. Mm. Do, put them in last spring. Do me a little research, and if you really can't figure out what kind of fern they are, then leave the mulch around them, but not on top of the ferns. And okay. as far as the hostas go, sure, a couple of inches of straw. Chips, wood, wood chips or pine chips, either one, they would do fine. They would do fine. Okay. Well, what about the leaves on, that are all over the ground underneath the maple tree? Can I just, should I, I in the past I've raked that, uh, raked those leaves off before putting down fresh straw. Depends on what kind of personality you are. I know those <laughs> who will rake the leaves off because they say it just doesn't look right. And other people will say, oh, heck, I'm going to put pine straw over the top anyway. It doesn't bother me. So uh, do whichever you like to do, Judy. It's not going to hurt to leave the leaves in place and put pine straw on top. It will not hurt to rake the leaves away and to uh, put the pine okay. straw in its place. Okay. Either okay. way. Sounds good. Okay. Right. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You bet, Judy. Thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. We got two and uh, Dave. Dave, Dave, Dave's in Atlanta and joins us. Hey, David. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing today? Hey, man. I'm all right. What's up? Yeah, I got a house we bought about 20 years ago. The guy before me put his used mortar oil on the side yard. What for? Nothing. Yeah. I got three maple trees. They took the trees too much. But oh, I can't man. grow grass. I threw um, thistle seed down for yeah. a giggle. Yeah. Golf. It didn't even take off. Man, so this guy it was an idiot. The was there some reason, Dave, or is he just had a little off in the head? Or what do you think was going on? I, 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 think, I think he did service in his, in his, in his, his, his garage as a side yeah. business, and he always put the used oil down. 
<sighs> but it's, it's about 20 by 30 foot section of the yard there mm. that nothing will grow. Mm. The, the trees are, there's, there's no, most trees that reach the top, they, they go right right down to the ground. They go down, wicked away from the oil. Yeah, probably so. What can I, do I just dig, dig the soil up or... Or what's going to add to the soil to get rid of the? I think you have two choices, Dave. You can a dig the soil up and replace it with good, good quality topsoil, not some of this junk you get for a dollar a bag. Um, or you can spread wood chips over the top and call it a day, um, and you know say, okay, it's mulched area now. But okay. if you want something to grow, you're going to have to put better soil in there. You, you, I think the it's, chances it's, of that oil decomposing and getting out of there is going to be years and years and years before that happens. Okay. Just either replace it or just cover it with, with chipping. Then. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Let me um, advise about choosing soil. I am not a big proponent of buying the dollar, dollar and a quarter bag topsoil that I see sold at some stores. Um, and I think that if you buy the soil conditioner and planting soil, the way that is normally used is to mix it 50-50 with the existing soil, which the existing soil is no longer there in this scenario because you dug it up and got rid of it. So right. what I would do is to call one of the – and there are two or three or four um, – what I call landscape supply yards, for lack of a better word, there's Atlanta Landscape Supply on Beaufort Highway, there's yeah. one on Memorial Drive, two or three around, uh, and just call them up and say, I want to come over there and watch you as you mix up me some good topsoil, and they have good, nice big bins, landscapers go to them all the time, yeah. and uh, and uh, look at the soil, make sure it's good, if you want to add some worm compost or some um, chicken manure or something like that, they'll do that for you, load it onto your truck or load it onto their truck and deliver, but uh, get the good quality stuff spread it out, rake it smooth, plant something, and watch it grow. It will be beautiful, Dave. That'll be good. Thank you, sir. All right, man. Have, See you soon. Have a time. Have a wonderful day now. You bet, Dave. You too. Bye-bye. Come now, 13 minutes past the 7 o'clock hour. We got two. Well, we got a phone number first, 404-872-0750. And John, incoming, joins us on Lawn and Garden. John, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm all right. What you got? Well, I have a home here in Cumming and a home in or, in the village of Florida, north of Orlando. All right. Both with summer grass. I want to know how much I should set my sprinklers. How much water should I sprinkle in the wintertime? When you say summer grass, what does that mean? Well, it's uh, well, zoysia up here. Yeah. And, and Bermuda. Okay. I see what you mean. So there's summer grasses, and they're green, and at least in Atlanta and in coming, they're green in the in the summertime and brown and coming in the wintertime. How does the Bermuda down in Orlando, does it change color in the winter, or does it stay yeah. green during the winter? In the villages, it gets brown in the winter. Okay. I got a rule of thumb for you, John. I know that you over your life have accumulated many rules of thumb in your lifetime, and you're fingernails yeah. are just covered up. But one of the rules of thumb of gardening is you don't water a plant when it's not green. Okay. Ah, that tells the whole story now. On your summer grass, when it's green and growing during the summertime, you water it. And when it's brown and not growing in the wintertime, neither Orlando nor coming, do you do anything? You turn your irrigation system off and forget about it. Okay. Ah, but, but I will tell you what will happen. You may say, you and your wife may discuss this conversation after after you hang up in a minute, and she or you, one, might say, well, I don't think that man's right. I'm going to water it anyway. You could become an expert in lawn diseases so fast by overwatering lawns, either in the summer or the wintertime, 
and it will be a, just a great old big mess if you water it during the wintertime. And literally, I mean mess because it'll water and the grass won't absorb it and it'll get muddy and all that kind of stuff. But um, during the summertime, if you overwater a lawn, same thing. You get diseases, you get all sorts of things. John, you're I know that you want me to give you a, 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 a schedule or how to set your irrigation system, but here is what you need to aim for, either in coming or Orlando, and that is to let the ground be saturated and then to let it dry out for three or four days. That is how grass wants to grow, saturate and then dry out. And many times in Atlanta, if you have an irrigation system, it sort of naturally happens that way over the spring and early summer, and then midsummer, you know, it gets hot and dry and droughty and all. And so then I tell people, set your irrigation system so it runs for about an hour or long enough to apply an inch of water, and then let it dry off until the next week, and then another inch of water, saturate it, let it dry out for a week, and then water again. And that, my friend, is the way to water a lawn. Saturate and then dry out, saturate then dry out. That's how you do it. Okay, I appreciate your advice. All right, you and the sweetheart there, y'all talk about it and come to the conclusion that I'm right. All right. <laughs> we'll see you, John. Thanks for calling. Bye. All right, come out of here. Let's go to Patricia in Loganville. Patricia, good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm well. Um, How can I help? I have a question about blackberry bushes. Yeah. Uh, last year, I cut them down, and I don't think I cut them properly because... <laughs> I yielded about a half a dozen blackberries this year. <laughs> but the year before, I had hundreds. They yeah. were falling out of the bucket. Yeah. And I, right now, they are so wild. They're six feet tall. I don't know how wide. I don't know where to look for the place to cut them so I'll have a good yield next year. I know you're supposed to cut the old ones and leave the new ones. Uh, that, that'll that be your yield for the following right. year. But right. I have no idea where to even look because they're all over uh, the place. Patricia, I was going to give you a whole lecture about how to look for the old and the new ones and all that kind of stuff, and you oh. already know this kind of stuff. Yes, let me, let me, I, I, I can't find them. I'll <laughs> tell it for over. other listeners right now who, who are not as smart as you. Um, blackberries, for the most part, and there are some exceptions, raspberry, some exceptions to this, but for the most part, blackberries and raspberries have what are called flowering canes, and that grows your blackberry or your raspberry. That's what you harvest each year. And once the flowering cane is finished giving you your harvest, you cut them down because they're going to turn brown anyway, or you can wait till the fall if you want to, but you can cut them down because they will not do anything more flowering for you the next year or any other time. And in their place will come up these new canes that will replace the flowering canes. And so it's sort of a two-year process to get your blackberries or raspberries. And, and as you correctly pointed out, you are looking for the old canes and looking for the new canes to leave alone so you have some blackberries next year. And, you know, honestly, Patricia, I just wait until they turn brown. The old canes will naturally turn brown, and you can see them should be now, but wait oh, till good. January if you have to. And go out one warm, sunny January afternoon and uh, take your clippers out there and cut all those brown canes back to the ground and the green ones, let them, leave them alone and, you know, pull them oh, back excellent. to your trellis. Uh, what, say again? Because right, I know they're there, I just can't find them because it's like a jungle of blackberry bushes because <laughs> we just let them go because I kept waiting and I got about six this year. Is it true that when I cut them, I shouldn't burn them in the same place that I burn other things because they may have disease or can I just burn them in my pit that I normally do burn all my 
um, veggies and stuff like that. Does not matter at all. Burn them okay. where you want to. But wait, 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 wait. Let's talk oh, a little I'm bit sorry. more about our blackberries there because okay. I want to make sure you know everything. Um, so one of the things that you can help to succeed in blackberry raspberry culture is fertilizing, and I want to make sure that you are doing that properly, which is just do it do it two or three times during the year, during and the growing season. Do you have a specific um, fertilizer that I should be using? Not really. I normally use a liquid miracle grow, but yeah, that's I understand that. Is that um, fine? Do it whatever it says on the label for the amount and for the frequency. I think from your grow, it's about every four to six weeks, something like that. Right, right. Don't go and say, oh, I can't remember. Was it eight weeks ago that I fertilized these things? No, go and fertilize them again because they can take extra fertilizer, but they sure don't produce much if you put less than they need fertilizer. You could so use you 10, 10, 10. you said only like two to three times a year, though? I two or three, fertilize. four. Well, with miracle Grow, it's a little bit differently. That's why I said read the label and see what it says for timing. But as far as um, for uh, um, the other things, for 10, 10, 10, things like that, two or three times a year. Yeah. I'm sorry, what was that last two, thing you just Two or said? three times a year. Yeah, but which one? Which part? Oh, yeah, for the 10-10-10. And okay. follow the label on the miracle Grow. I just noticed the clock up here, as did Scott Baxman. i got to get out of here, Pritchard. I apologize. It is 7.20. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line this afternoon, upper 50s, cold, clear. Overnight, dipping down to the upper 30s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes. Don't forget, tomorrow you can pick up your Sunday edition of the AJC and get full weekend coverage of the breaking news. Or not breaking news, but full news coverage there, as well as $335 in coupon savings. And don't forget that Clark Howard's Christmas Kids today, the Walmart on Johnson Ferry Road. Dave Baker and Clark will start their broadcast at 9 o'clock this morning, but you can stop by the Walmart on Johnson Ferry Road, pick up one of the wish lists there, start your shopping early, and then come back and give that wish list uh, to the table after Clark and, and Dave have cleared it with them. And you will be giving a Christmas gift to one of the foster children in Georgia. It is a wonderful thing that Clark and Dave do. And Clark Howard's Christmas Kids, an Atlanta tradition. I hope you will consider participating in today. Johnson Ferry Road, Walmart. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. Live and festive in the public's Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 735, 34 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape and making sure you know that you can always go to WalterReeves.com, my website. And while you're there, you can sign up for my newsletter. It comes out every two weeks, or Thursday morning, every two weeks. And you get all sorts of interesting 
Well, I think they're interesting anyway. <laughs> you may not, but I think they are interesting articles, pictures mostly that people have sent to me and need a particular problem diagnosed. Let's see, what was in the last Thursday's issues? One, oh, the folks that had the cryptomeria, they planted a big old cryptomeria. It had two trunks, and they were saying, eh, this doesn't look good when it's 50 feet tall. It's not going to be so good. What should we do right now? And I gave them some advice on how to prune it correctly. Another lady had white dots on the backside of her magnolia leaves and uh, wanted to know what was going on with her magnolia. An article about how to choose a Christmas tree, either a cut-your-own-Christmas tree or pick-your-own from Pike Nursery Christmas tree or whatever Christmas tree, not an artificial tree, no, 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 no. But artificial about about Christmas trees and how to choose them. That was in the newsletter as well. It is completely free, and all we need is your email address so that we can send it to you. We don't send you anything else other than the newsletter. You subscribe to that at WalterReeves.com website. You can follow me on Facebook at the Georgia Guardian. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to get a thousand followers on Twitter. Justin Bieber is just a few million ahead of me right now, so we'll we'll work on this. I think I had 876 the other day. So Twitter, at Walter Reeves. Uh, there's some Vimeo links on there. Uh, go to WalterReeves.com. You get some information. Maybe you don't even need to listen to the Lawn and Garden Show. Kevin, though, listens to the Lawn and Garden Show out in Sharpsburg, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Kevin, good morning. Oh, oh, oh. Hi, your newsletter. Great, great information. Oh, great. Glad you enjoy it. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, I've uh, put pre-emergent out this fall for, on my lawn. Uh have uh, Bermuda. And uh, I feel like I did a good job with that. We got so much rain. I'm wondering, is it possible to get so much rain that it dilutes it down or washes it down into the soil uh, such that it could lessen the effect of the pre-emergent come springtime? It is possible for too much rain to affect it, but it's not in the way you are describing. Okay. If the rain is coming straight down and you know dissolving the pre-emergent like it's supposed to after you put it down, you're supposed to irrigate it or let the rain come dissolve it into the soil. But after that point, it pretty much is stable. The first half an inch, three quarters of an inch of the soil, that's where the pre-emergent stays, no matter how much rain you get in the wintertime. Okay. On the other hand, if your lawn is real sloped and you have uh, you know some erosion coming down across the lawn, yeah, that can wash the soil. If the soil has been washed off, it's washing the pre-emergent off. Right. Well, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was, I was uh, curious about the first case there. So, okay. Well, that that yeah. uh, makes me feel better. How, how's it doing? Are you seeing any any weeds that germinated now, or how's it doing? No. Yeah. Right now, it looks just fine. It's uh, right on track. It's just uh, had some uh, had problems with uh, 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 ryegrass. The bluegrass yeah. comes springtime. Yeah. Or, or you know, uh, late winter, and so uh, I haven't. Uh, I really went after it this this fall. Really right. put the stuff out. So good. Good. Yeah. Good. 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 Somehow that man on the radio didn't get the edges. Uh, my spreader wasn't quite right, or I wasn't paying attention to where the pre-emergent went, and somehow the edges of my lawn did not get the pre-emergent put to them. And so there's a little chickweed here and there around the edge of the lawn. What are we going to do? We're going to go out sometime in the January, February, and spray a little bit with some weed be gone and get rid of that chickweed. But you know, sometimes it's pre-emergence uh, uh, operator failure. <laughs> right. It happens to me a lot. <laughs> Kevin, thanks so much for calling. Happy Thank holidays. Pam, 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 Pam. Don't forget our phone number, 404-872-0750. Pam's out in Lawrenceville. She joins us in the Garden. Hey, Pam, good morning. Good morning, Walter. What you got? Um, this summer, my grandchildren just could not enjoy my porch because of all the mosquitoes. <laughs> Uh-huh. And so I called one of those mosquito fogging people. They came, they fogged, and they really fogged my crepe myrtles a lot. 
Yeah. And it didn't affect anything, only that, and it didn't bloom this year. The leaves turned black on it. So I called them, but they said no, that probably was just the phone. It had nothing to do with the foggy. So I just, I wanted to check with the expert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I can find a phone number for you. <laughs> There's got to be an expert around here somewhere, Pam. Uh, for lack of someone else, I'll fill in. Um, I'll be willing to bet it did not have anything to do with the fogging for the mosquitoes because they use most likely a water-based insecticide and you know, spraying the whole yard, they spraying the grass and the shrubs and everything else and singling out the crepe myrtles for damage. I don't think is a possibility there, but I do have an explanation of what's going on. And it has to do, because you said, and I love it when callers give me a clue, and it's just one or two words, but you gave me a clue when you said black leaves. Tell yeah, me, yeah. tell me more about the black leaves. Well, they were just black. Yeah, they just it, nothing else turned black in, on my bushes or anything else. But the leaves were just black, maybe yeah. kind of curling a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. All of the leaves, or where? I mean, yeah, most of them. Yeah, that is pretty consistent with the symptoms of an insect called a crepe myrtle aphid. And crepe myrtle aphid is a sucking insect. They suck all the juice out of the. Not all the juice, some of the juice out of the leaves of a crepe myrtle, causing the leaves to curl up. You said that already. And what they cannot uh, digest, they secrete out the back of their bodies, and that falls, the sticky honeydew stuff falls all over the leaves, and sometimes on the mulch and the trunk and everything, shrubbery around it sometimes. And that black or that honeydew is clear itself, but boy, there's a stuff called sooty mold. The sooty mold is black, it makes all the leaves and the mulch and the trunk and nearby shrubs, all of them turn black. And that most likely is what caused the leaves to turn black. And as far as blooming, eh, boy, it's sometimes just chasing rabbits down holes to try to figure out why things don't bloom. But crepe myrtles want to bloom, should bloom, ought to bloom. And there's nothing that I can give you that will spray it to make it bloom. So I say, don't worry about it, Pam. You at least have nice foliage. And hopefully next year, <laughs> by putting a, uh, maybe a systemic insecticide, if you go to a garden center, go to Pike and say, hey, man, I need some bonide systemic granules or the bare tree and shrub. Put that down in March, and that will prevent any aphids on the crepe myrtle trees. So put it on the ground. Yeah, it's a drench. Yeah, yeah. Uh Read, well, the, read the label, mix it up in a big bucket, and pour it okay. on the ground, uh, just as the roots are getting active in March. And, boy, you don't have aphids there, sometimes not for a couple of years. Well, I had a good crop, so I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want them anymore. They're not a crop you want to harvest. <laughs> well, thank you. You bet. Thanks for calling, Pam. Bye-bye. Kay's out in Clarksville. Kay joins us on Lawn and Garden. Kay, good morning. Good morning, Walter. I have a question about weeds and moss. I have a lot of beautiful moss in my yard, and I would like to prevent weeds from coming up through it. Would pre-emergent help that? I've already had one person this morning, Kay, promise that they would tell me the results of an experiment. And the answer is there have not been any studies, particularly about pre-emergence on moss. I think that it would probably work, but I don't have anything that backs that up, particularly scientifically. Kay, you are going to be the person who may report back to me in a month or two or three and says, all my moss is dead, or my moss didn't have any weeds in it. This is terrific. I love pre-emergence on my moss. So I would rather I, not risk killing the moss if you think that's a possibility. Put it on a little bitty part on the side. Come on, Kay. You can okay, risk a I little bit that. for knowledge, for science, for the edification of all our listeners out there who would love to know what's going on with the pre-emergent in the moss. 
you are helping. You're advancing. You're advancing horticultural knowledge, Kay. Just put I'm a happy tiny to bit. Huh? You're happy to do that for me, you say? Yes, I am. Oh, good. Glad. Glad to hear that. In uh, two months, give me a call. Three months, maybe, during the summertime, even. Let's find out. Okay. I'll do it, Walter. Have Thanks. a good day. Thank you. Bet, you. Kay. Thanks for calling. 44 minutes past the hour. We're going right through these calls. You can take Kay's place at 404 872 0750 out in Birmingham. Kay joins us from Birmingham, Alabama. Good morning, Kay. Hello. Hey, what's up? Well, I have a Georgia yard that's about uh, 20 years old. It's been well taken care of, but this year, this uh, right now, there are little green spots in the yard where the grass is uh, still green. Yeah. And around it is brown, and it's like little spots throughout the yard, almost like a plaid-looking pattern. None of the other Georgia yards are like this. Mm, and now you're number four. Um, I had a caller that was calling me this morning around 6.15 before you got up this morning, Kay, uh, said almost the same thing, but hers was a Bermuda lawn. She said, I have these spots, and they have the green in the middle, and around them it's brown, and what's going on? And I confessed to that caller that I had not contacted a lawn disease specialist to find out what that was because I wasn't sure, and I didn't want to say anything until I knew. <sighs> Kay? In a week, yeah. <laughs> call me back or look on my website or something, and I will do my best to find out why lawns at this time of year. Why in De November, December? Come on. This is not the time you have diseases and symptoms and things in lawns. It's just not right. Even in Birmingham, it's not right. So um, give me a week, and let's figure it out, and uh, call me then. Okay, I will. Take two um, aspirin. <laughs> call me in. Call me in a week. That's what you do, Kay. Okay. We've just never had this before, and just wondering what was going on. You know, one thing I want you to do, Kay, it, it, when you look at these um, at the zoysia spots, is there any hint of blackness or sootiness or grayish lookingness to the leaves of the zoysia grass? No. Not at all. No. Okay. The reason I want to. Reason I want to. Um, get you to, to look for that. If you go on WalterReeves.com and type in the word large patch, large patch, maybe zoysia large patch, it'll show you some pictures of a zoysia disease. Doesn't sound like that's what you have, but gosh, everything is sooty looking and grayish looking, and I just want you to look at that just for the fun of it to see if you see okay. anything similar to what you have. And maybe look for um, um, brown patch on lawns. Maybe there's some pictures that might be similar to what you have, we will try to figure it out. Okay, enjoy your show so much, Walter. Hey, thanks so much for calling. Thank you, Diane. Real quickly, I bet we can get Kip in here because Kip has new, interesting information. Kip, hey man, good morning. Good morning, how are you? You know something I don't know. What's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, I've, uh, I used to work for a company, I'm not going to say the name, but I used to uh, treat lawns, and yeah. um, there were several homes that, you know, in have real shady backyards, so they just went ahead and lot, let moss take over. Um, and they would get treated uh, each year with uh, pre-emergence to keep the weeds and such from coming through. Sure. And uh, I think the theory behind it was pre-emergent versus post-emergent. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's already grown. Yeah. It's not going to affect it because, uh, as you know, pre-emergents make them grow laterally so they never actually reach the uh, the surface. Right, right. 
Um, so yeah, it's it's absolutely no problem whatsoever to treat All the moth. Right. It's very hardy, and it's not going anywhere. Experience from Kip, who's done it before. That's what yep. we need: is experience of people who have done the thing before. Pre-emergent on moss, and your experience has not. Yep. Do you remember what chemical you were using, Kip? Uh, yeah, barricade was uh, okay. was one, and simazine was another. So barricade is dithiapyr, maybe, maybe, but, or is barricade halts or, or, or um, prodiamine? Well, anyway, I'll look it up. We'll find out what chemical it is. Prodiamine. Yeah, we want to make sure of what the chemical is because, as you know, there are several chemicals used as pre-emergence, and one Correct. might hurt the moss, and some might not hurt the moss. But if you use simazine and uh, barricade, I can look those up and see what the active ingredient. Yeah, and is. I think, to be honest with you, I think uh, you could probably go to you know any place and get something uh, made by Bear or what have mm-hmm. you as a broad uh, spectrum type of uh, pre-emergent. Yeah, and it's not going to hurt because again, the theory behind it is um, you know it's it's no different than the weeds you've already got. Putting pre-emergence right. on existing weeds is right. not going to affect them, so right. um, it doesn't affect the moss. I appreciate the call, Kip. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Have a great day. At 749, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the Lawn and Garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, the two seas today, clear and cold. It's going to be chilly this afternoon. Lots of sunshine, so it won't be bad if you bundle up, but highs in the upper 50s. And tonight, lows dropping down into the 30s. Stay tuned. At last, most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Don't forget, tomorrow, you can pick up your Sunday edition from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for the news and $335 in coupon savings. And don't forget, you have have the unparalleled opportunity this morning to do something great for somebody else, some kid that's even better. Maybe even to do something nice for your kids, which is to take them. You heard Clark talking just a minute ago about the Clark's Christmas Kids event at the Johnson Ferry Road Walmart. And this is how it works. They have pieces of paper that have the wishes, the, the things that kids in foster care in Georgia would like to have for Christmas. And they're not big things. It's not like 22 bikes and a gold-plated iPod or anything like that. It's like, I would like to have a doll. I would like to have a bike helmet. I would like to have a baseball glove. And you go into the Walmart, you take a, a sheet, you choose one of a child who's probably near the age of your children or your grandchildren, maybe bring your kids along, and you um, um, take the sheet back into the toy section and buy the clothes or the toy or the whatever whatever the child wants, bring it up to the cash register, pay for it, bring the receipt and the toys back to Clark's table, a big table there, and um, they will put it into a bag with that child's name and identifying number so you know how to get the, or they know how to get the present to them. And then on Christmas morning, this foster care, foster care child who may not get a whole lot more will get a Christmas present courtesy of you. Again, a great way to feel great about the holiday season. Clark Howard is there to help you do it. It'll be this morning. Clark will be there starting at 9 o'clock with Dave Baker for the Home Fix-It show. And they'll be the crew will be there, I think, starting at 8 o'clock this morning, going to 1 o'clock this afternoon. Johnson Ferry Road, Walmart. At 7.57, we'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's joy. Joyland. Once you pass.
cross its borders 